Good evening and welcome. Good evening and welcome to Undivided, episode number 29, which is brought to you by Audible.com, our sponsor. That's Audible.com, the world's leader in spoken audio, audiobooks, speeches, online periodicals for all things spoken audio. It's Audible.com. Go to the website now, click over into the box, the entry box for contests and type in Life Coach Radio Network to receive a special code for a prize on Audible.com. That's Audible.com, the sponsor of our program and all the programs here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And welcome into Undivided Episode number 29. We are live at 7 p.m. here on the East Coast, here on September the 5th, a Wednesday in the year 2018. And as I come on, I will do the disclaimer for this evening, because as you know, I've forgotten at other points. Tonight's show, the views and opinions expressed on episode number 29 of Undivided on Life Coach Radio Network may not necessarily be the views of myself as host, Frank J. Maduri. My guest in this evening is Michelle Men, so it may not be the views of the guest, in this case, Michelle's views, and may not necessarily be the views of the Life Coach Radio Network. So now that we've moved on from the disclaimer, welcome back to our show. It's been three weeks. As the calendar is forgiving to me, sometimes I get a three-week break. As you know, we're the first and third Wednesday of every month. And if uh, the regular listeners will recall, the last time I had a three-week break, I came on and said it went by so fast. It went by like a blink of an eye. This past three weeks uh, went by very slow, and it's interesting how time can do that. I had a lot of time to reflect about the show, about summer coming to an unofficial close. I hope you all had a great Labor Day holiday weekend. And now today, for many of us, it's the start of school. So it's only fitting that we have an educator on with us this evening to talk about the power of words. And that's the topic for tonight's show. Speech is an expression of or the ability to express thoughts and feelings by articulate sounds. That's the definition of speech. As you know, uh, back uh, beginning of the spring with this hot weather we've been experiencing now and we changed over, we had that heat wave. I had talked to the listeners about fighting, losing my voice. I had lost my voice for about five days. I had to do a show. I rested my voice for two days before coming on the air. That was a very tough experience for me. I had never experienced that, and losing my voice was very uh, disabling to me, not being able to use my words to form speech, to communicate easily with others was very frustrating. I had to listen more, which I I don't mind doing, and I had a different experience. I was trying to work and and do things and not have a voice, and it was very frustrating at points. So the ability, that was, you know, my ability to speak, that was the first time I had really felt that way. I had felt disarmed, and I didn't like the way that it felt. really brought home to me the power of words. And that's what we're going to be talking about here tonight. The way a person talks, the way a person uh, uses words and delivers messages can change the way those words are meant. The delivery of a message 
to mean different things based on tone, based on emphasis. The words change meaning based on how they are spoken, especially in English. We're going to talk tonight with Michelle about that. Nonverbal communication is another thing we're going to touch on. Your actions, the way you come off to people, your uh, hand gestures, your eyes, eye contact. And then divisions over speech. As you know, we're undivided. We talk about divisions in society. People can be divided over a spoken word or spoken message. People can take things the wrong way. We're going to talk about how words can get misconstrued or misunderstood. How words can either, as you remember, and Michelle actually reminded me in the premiere episode of my show, I talked about how words can build people up or tear them down. And we're going to talk about all this tonight with our special guest, Michelle Madden, who I'm going to get up here in a moment. Michelle is a master's in education, is a consultant and coach specializing in communication skills, as well as social and emotional development. She has 20 years of experience working with children and families. She's been a school administrator. She holds degrees in family and child development, school leadership and, and instructions. She also has several certifications. She's a reading specialist and is also a certified professional coach, as I am. Ms. Madden is also a parent of a child with learning disabilities. And as an educator, she has been uh, given a unique perspective on that. She's a homeschooling parent. She's taught at both public and private schools. She's worked with people from diverse backgrounds. It's going to be wonderful to have her expertise on this subject to share the power of words. Michelle Madden, welcome to Undivided. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to have you along. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Excellent. That's a very important thing when you're doing a live podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Michelle, thank you for having uh, the time and taking the time, I should say, to come on. Uh, we're going to start our show as we always do with the first segment of our program, which is called The Divide, where we look at the divide or whatever that might be in society around uh, uh, a certain issue. And tonight it's about words. You know, the words that we use are powerful. They can be used to build someone up, as I said in the show intro, or tear someone down. How would you approach a student, a parent, or an individual that feels that words are, quote, unquote, no big deal? Well, I've dealt with that a lot in my life. <laughs> um, I I'm would sure. say <laughs> that um, with a student... Actually, with anyone, I'm going to say something that might um, take people by surprise, but I would start from a place of curiosity first. What's going on here? Where is this coming from? Because that will inform how you respond. Um, I find generally most people do understand that their words can hurt. The most effective way to talk to kids about it is to have direct feedback from their peers. Lecturing uh, doesn't work so well. <laughs> you can give consequences. They might work short term. The best thing really is, is to sit kids down and have them talk to one another openly about what was said and how they felt about it and how it affected them, if you want really lasting change. Um, sometimes the kids don't necessarily know, understand what they've said if they're just repeating things. I've had that happen where they just repeat a word. They don't even know what it means. So I have to check with that first. 
um, if you can, it, it, if they're having like some kind of a meltdown, obviously you just want to bring the defensiveness and the energy level down first with questions like, what's going on here? Where's this coming from? Um, then you can kind of decide whether or not there's something that needs to be talked about that's underlying that or whether they just need to know um, this is not something you can say in school. Uh, with an, a, an adult, often I deal with it kind of the same way. Um, I would get parents who would be anxious. They'd have an outburst. And I just the key is not take it personally and say, hmm, what's going on here? <laughs> and if you can acknowledge their feelings, you can then get to the perspective taking and then talk about, well, I understand that, you know, I see how upset you are. And if I thought someone had done that to me, I'd be really upset too. It really was unsettling to have you yell at me like that. You know, things like just feedback like that is, is pretty effective. Um, I just feel overall that it would be wonderful to really improve on our communication and social skills just sort of all around, online, in schools, you know, on the, on the, in the park, at home, those kinds of things. Um, there are a lot of different things we can do about that, which we'll talk about as, as, things, as we move on. But I think the biggest thing is to show them that their words are a big deal through proximity and forming a connection. Uh, if they can sit down and, and see what kind of an impact they've had on someone, if, if they can find a connection with that person, um, that's really key. That is very key, that connection and being feeling that connection to someone and that connectivity uh, that you're, you're almost, as, as we would say, tracking together. You're tracking with me, so to speak, uh, can be a, a, a usually powerful thing uh, to, to an individual. Uh, because as we know from coaching, you know, acknowledging and validating people's feelings, and, and that's part of that, when they feel validated, when they feel heard, uh, that's going to create a, a very powerful interaction. Um, and listening is certainly a part of that, right? That's the most Want important to add something? thing. Go ahead. Yeah, that's the most important part of it is just to, you know, emotions are all valid. They're coming from somewhere. You know, I've, I've seen statistics that when people have a reaction, 80% of it is from the past and 20% is from the present. If you can just not take things personally and kind of take a step back and see what's going on and share, get their perspective on what's happening and share yours, that's what's most effective. Um, as far as working with kids and teaching social skills, it works in the moment in groups um, through literature, vignettes, teaching perspectives. I think that's something we have to do a lot more, um, role play. But being listened to is so close to being loved that it's often hard to tell the difference. So if you just really listen and validate, then you can get to, okay, so well, what was your point? How could you might have said that? How might you have said that differently? Um, and if there are natural consequences, you let those occur. We've had, um, I, f I find it most effective when something has happened to deconstruct the situation in a truly authentic space. Um, it's okay to let them be uncomfortable enough to, the, to extinguish the behavior as long as you're not shaming them and belittling them. Sure, that's because then you can lose the message there. If they feel that yeah. they're being, you know, shamed, belittled, then they're going to turn off that mechanism of, of listening themselves, and then you've lost that person. Yeah. 
Right. I, I had uh, a, a student but, once that was very. Um, he he came in in a very bad mood. He was very upset because everyone had been telling him he needed to change his attitude. He'd been lectured. He'd been yelled at. So I sat him down because I needed to kind of get him back into a good place to go back to class. And I said, he, he explained what's going on. And I said, well, I guess that would be upsetting to me too if I felt like everyone was telling me I was doing something wrong. I mean, and he did need to change his attitude, but this is the way I approached it. Like, you know, I understand, like, that's upsetting if everyone's coming at you. How do you feel about it? What do you think about what they said? And we we talked about whether or not he felt it was valid, and he did admit, oh, yeah, well, I could have done better with this, I could have done better with that. But the difference was asking him questions in terms of, you know, what's happening and what was the goal in that situation and what did you mean to communicate? Um, those things are, I, I find are the most powerful and making sure they understand the language that's being used. Does that and make any listening, sense? listening is an important aspect, too. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, because it's an important aspect of that. Yeah, because but, communication can easily go awry. So um, I use a technique that coaches do of active listening where you might say something like, I hear you saying that you're feeling this way. I hear you saying that you think this happened. Um, You know, it makes sense that if you thought that's happened, that that's what happened, that you'd be really upset about it. You can validate someone for how they're feeling even if you don't agree with it just by saying, you know, if I thought that happened to me, I'd be upset too. Um, And I think that's really important. Because everyone, what I've found most of all from in my work at school and in my life is that people want to be heard. They want to feel like they matter. Active listening can diffuse tempers. It can clarify what they're thinking or hearing so you don't have misunderstandings. Um, it can help you acknowledge if they need, if the kids you know, need um, sort of like a little emotional hug. <laughs> they need a little pep talk because there's something going on that's bothering them. Um, one example is uh, I had a teacher who that I worked with one time who was um, late quite a bit at, at, during a certain period, about a week, about three or four days of just being pretty late. And so, you know, there are a couple ways you can handle that. You could say, oh, you've been late, docking your pay. You can say, you've been late, that's not acceptable. What I chose to do in that case was say, I noticed you've been late. Is everything okay? Well, and it turned out there was something horrific going on at home. And after I validated that, I just said, all right, how how can I help you get back on track? Because, you know, obviously you need to get to work on time. And I got an email that, that the way I handled that, she was so appreciative that I didn't belittle her and I didn't scream at her like a crazy person. I just kind of said, how can I help you? And that meant the world to that person. And I can't imagine what it would have felt like if she was really in a place of pain and here I was pounding on her. You know, So um, that's one example um, it's always a good idea to find out what's really going on if a kid has a reaction. or This is a simple example, but um, if you have a kid who's coming in and they're not getting their homework done, instead of just you know saying, obviously there have to be consequences, but instead of just saying, oh, you know, you got detention or no recess or whatever, find out why. Because sometimes it, there might be ways you can work with it and help them get over that hurdle just the straight going to the punishment is not effective. You need to pro- I, I believe in problem solving and finding out what's going on. 
sometimes, um, you know, their medication is worn off after 4 o'clock, and it works better if they come in and do their homework first thing or if they get it when they wake up, if they do their homework when they wake up. Like, those are things that you can work with. It could be that they didn't understand the assignment and they need a little extra help. It could be, you know, there are a lot of things you can do. If it's just a persistent problem, that's different. <laughs> you know, just because they're refusing to, to not do it, then that's, you know, that's, that's something else you can deal with a different way. But um, I just find that it's amazing what you'll find out and what people will be willing to tell you if you just sit back and listen. Uh, I think I shared with you the example of um, a little boy we had that in one of my schools that came to school on the very first day, he punched someone in the playground. So obviously you know, we tried to dig into it. What's going on? Why did you have that reaction? turns out that he was new, and when the kids decided to play, they were going to play tag, they said, let's get this so-and-so, I'm not going to say his name, let's get him. He had trouble reading, he had a pragmatic language problem. He had trouble reading um, social cues and facial expressions. He didn't know whether they were coming to play with him or whether they were all coming after him. He just saw a, a mob of people coming after him. He thought he was going to get beat up. So, you know, wow. those are kind of, yeah, so those are situations where you want to just he needed some help. Yes, did he need a consequence? Because, yes, he can't punch people. But he also needed some speech and language therapy to work with someone to figure those things out. We have a lot of kids um, that I advocate for that are coming into the schools for whatever reason with more and more um, social communication issues. Some people read, some people read really well and need to be ex- taught explicitly the social skills. Some people pick up the social skills but need to be taught to read and have a hard time learning to read. It's the same way. And like every time kids, as kids get older and the social expectations change, the language levels change and they'll struggle. And so I'm just a big advocate in looking at what's, what's going on underneath here. Like what's the, what's the driver for this? Um, so active listening yes, can. That's, that's very important, you know, and, and, utilizing those skills and active listening. Uh, We're a little bit past the 15-minute mark. We're going to take the 15-minute break at this point, and then we'll return. Undivided episode number 29 will be back in a moment, but first, some upcoming show promotions. Paul Garwood show, Push Through. That's Push Through with Paul Garwood, Sunday, September 9th, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel. Paul has people that have been through emotional Uh, psychological, psychiatric-type problems, some sort of emotional distress, and how they've pushed through, hence the title of the show, to the other side and have shared their experiences of success. It's a powerful uh, series. Paul was a guest on the show. You guys may remember that. It was a suicide epidemic show. Uh, Paul Garwood pushed through. New episode this Sunday, September 9th, 8 p.m. Eastern, over on the Life Coach chat channel. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. That's Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. Give from the heart, www.salvationarmyus.org. That's www.salvationarmyus.org. You can type in the zip code in your local area to donate to your local community, or you could Google search the most impoverished zip codes in your state and donate to them. 
Audible.com is our sponsor, Undivided Show. That's undividedshow at gmail.com. If you'd like to email us a question for Michelle or myself or contribute in some way to this conversation, and we will open the phone lines after the 30-minute midpoint break. Now we're back here on Undivided, and thank you, Michelle, for being along with me today. It's The Power of Words, episode number 29. And as we talk about power of words, power of listening, conflicts that we have and divisions that are raised in society, which is what this show is all about, the divisions in society, are very often tied not only to the words we use, but how we deliver a message. What is the importance of nonverbal cues? And this is a good segue from what you were just talking about in pragmatic language skills and conflict resolution. Yeah, well, I've seen estimates that as much as 93% of our communication is nonverbal. And you pointed out some of that in the beginning, their tone, your expression, your body language and gestures, your volume when you're speaking. All of these things are um, skills that some kids just need to be taught, and you want to make sure that your body language and gestures are matching your facial features. Maybe you've seen the kids or adults where um, they have a smile frozen onto their face or smile, but you can tell they're scared to death. You know, so those are yeah. that's a that's a clue. Like you want to see what's going on there. Um, it's um, I I really try to advocate for the kids who, for whatever reason have difficulty trying to get on the conversation and need uh, help with uh, conversational taking turns and staying tuned in when it's not their preferred topic of conversation. Um, I think we need more time for kids to just play and interact and have an adult kind of work them through some of these things. Um, skills from... Those you know, are all just, very good examples. Yeah, Go and sometimes it goes up into inferring and drawing conclusions and understanding sarcasm or idioms. So all of those things need to be worked through. Absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, you know, things can get misunderstood, can be misconstrued. You know, your nonverbal actions can mean totally different. The perfect example is, oh, I don't care, or I don't care what we do, or but yet your body language says something else, your tone says something else, or, you know, I don't care what we have for dinner, you know, versus I don't care what we have for dinner. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. You know, a perfect example is meaning the same thing. Oh yeah, a perfect example is at school we get kids who'd say, "I'm that's boring." Boring is usually code for hard. So it's important Mm -hmm. to kind of dig, dig, dig down, as you're saying, and see like what's behind it, Um, because the body language can either validate what's being said verbally or completely contradict it, or sometimes. Body language can take the place of words, and um, those are things that uh, not everyone picks up right away. Exactly, and in coaching, you know, we're taught to actively listen and to read those cues and to listen for words and listen for the energy and the meaning behind them. Like, we'll pick up on words they might accentuate and say, you know, what do you mean by that? So sometimes Mm -hmm. we can all get caught up in the words we use, and this is a good segue to this question and the interpretations of the messages that they imply. Why is it so important to acknowledge other parties and their interpretations of a message? Because you can completely, you can have a complete mess <laughs> from a misunderstanding, and sometimes it can be from something mm-hmm. that was just very simple. 
um, it might be a word that was used, like, a, you know, for instance, um, and this was just a habit. This was a kid who, he heard the word stalker. He had no idea what it meant. So he's calling the little girl a stalker. Well, she got upset. Uh, can he call the girl a stalker? No. <laughs> but <laughs> you also have to work on what's appropriate and what's not. And, um, you know, look at, you know, the why underneath it. He was trying to get her attention. He was trying to be your friend. He didn't know how to make that overture. Um, it's always important to acknowledge the other party's interpretation of a message or a situation because sometimes people, you know, with their background history will ascribe a feeling to you that you never went there. You know, you may say something like, um, let's, let's edit this page, and they may go back to, you know, another time in their life and say, oh, you know, you think I write terribly too. <laughs> and that's not at all what you said. <laughs> So it's, it's important to kind of get that stuff out in the open. I, words are so powerful. We all remember things that were said to us that we loved, and we all remember things that were said to us that, you know, decades later that can haunt us. And, you know, I have um, one lady that I coached. She was having trouble with time management, and it had nothing to do with time management. She actually was hearing an inner voice from an adult in her life who was telling her, that any time she wasn't busy, she wasn't she wasn't a productive member of society. So this this poor lady would come home and have a list of chores, and then fall asleep doing them. And then you know, and if she if we would whittle it down to something manageable, she would just add more to it because she felt like free time wasn't something she was allowed to have. Um, I couched another lady who was having a lot of trouble with a planner um, because. Every time she wrote in a planner, if she made a mistake on it, she had to rip the whole page out. And she'd been through like 15 styles of planners. And as we talked about it, what came out of it was she was going back to a teacher's message that, you know, her work was never going to be good enough. Because she would just, you know, she didn't cross something out or use whiteout. She ripped out the page. And once she worked through that, so, you know, the way that we speak to other people can often become their inner voice, especially with children. The adults around them, you know, are... The, most of most behavior is subconscious, and the subconscious is is subject to a lot of um, suggestion. <laughs> so you, it, it's sometimes your subconscious will listen to those things that you're that you've heard that you're telling yourself about yourself and act on them. And we know that as coaches, and that's something that we try to help people work through. So it's very important. You can say anything you need to say if you phrase it right. I've, you know, had to deal with some very tricky and upsetting situations for parents and been just fine because you stay calm, you understand, you listen to their perspective. Sometimes I would have to say, I hear you saying X and this is why I can't do it. You know, this is this is my reasoning. And they accept it much better if you just listen. So it's just, it's just I, I've had people at work would say to me, I can't believe you got that parent to say to admit to that. Well, I wasn't trying to interrogate them. I just made it a safe space because once you create that awareness, then people, you know, people things will change. People can observe patterns, and a lot of times those patterns will just sort of dissipate and go away if you just observe them and you're gentle with yourself about them and gentle with other people. Yes, words can often be mis- misconstrued, as I mentioned in the open. You kind of touched on it there. You know, uh, a word means something different to me. It can mean something different for you. And mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. can mean something totally different to someone else. Mm-hmm. Why is it so crucial to verify what a person actually means versus what they are saying? Um, so that you don't react because overreact because you want you know, if, if there's going to be a, a consequence to something that's happened, it needs to match what's happened. And it's not right to just give someone a consequence for it when you don't have the full picture of what's going on or it's the consequence is ten times harder than what happened. Um, I always check to see if there are sensory issues, if there are language impairments. Most of the time, it's just people learning to manage. It's more emotional regulation than anything, just helping them kind of manage that and saying, all right, well, I see what you're saying here. Can you rephrase that? What would have been a a more appropriate way to say that? Because I don't want to tell them that they can't feel that way. Um, You never try to talk to someone out of their emotions. Like, that's, you know, validate their emotions. But okay, what would have been a way to say that that wouldn't have upset so-and-so? Or how else could we have approached that situation? Problem-solving and reflection are just key with kids and helpful with adults as well. Um, But, yeah, you want to make sure that whatever you're saying in response to them is according to what's really happened and not what you think they might have said, if that makes any sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense, you know. I hear uh, along the lines of what you said before, I hear you saying this, or I will say to somebody, you know, I hear you saying this, what does that actually mean? Or I, um, I hear you mention that you're angry about because someone said this to you. Well, what does angry mean? You know, what does it look like for you? What does it mean to you? Because my version of angry might be different than yours and someone else, they have different levels of that. It might just be a frustration it might be, you know, something else that they're struggling with that they can't articulate. And there's always something else that's driving that, as you said, 80% of it is past. So then you do a little digging and you say, okay, where is this coming from? Uh, what's coming up for you right now? Oh, well, you know, my parents used to treat me a certain way, and that's why I feel, like, very defensive. Or I go, aha, you know, and now you take that and say, you, you go down another layer and say, all right, what's it, what could be a powerful new thought or new feeling mm-hmm. for you? You know, when you hear those words, when you, when you get that, that, that stimuli, what can, what can we do to, to kind of change the trajectory of that so that you're not feeling unsettled every time something like this comes up? And that's, that makes a huge uh, difference with people. We're right at 7.30, so we're going to take our midpoint of the show break. I thank you, Michelle, for being on. Um, We're going to continue in a moment with episode number 29 of Undivided, The Power of Words. We'll be back in a moment. First, upcoming show promotions for you. Gordelia Gaffar, newest member of our family, Gordelia Gaffar. The show is Replenish Me. She's the hostess of the show, Replenish Me, brand new series. Their second episode is coming up. It debuted two weeks ago, Wednesday, September the 12th. It's Wednesday, September 12th, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's a week from tonight here on the Life Coach Radio Network. That's Gordelia Gaffar, Replenish Me. So it's going to be all about uh, different guests she's going to bring on to tell you and to uh, work with you and to give you examples on how you can replenish yourself, replenish your life after some sort of setback that might have taken place 
and these guests come on and they've given their testimony and it's really a powerful show, really interesting series. Cordelia Gaffar, Replenish Me, Wednesday, September 12th, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach Radio Network. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, speaking of replenishing yourself, getting yourself beyond a setback, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline can help if you or someone you know or someone you love is struggling with something that they just can't get out of their mind. If you have thoughts of hurting yourself, if you have thoughts of doing something to yourself, or you know a loved one that is struggling with that, please call the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 1-800-273-8255. Again, 800-273-8255. Every life is important. Every voice that we have in this world is important. We've all been given a voice by God. Everyone and every life has been endowed by God. You matter. Please call the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's 800-273-8255. The Childhood Apraxia of Speech Association of North America, www.apraxia, that's A-P-R-A-X, as an X-ray, I-A-Kids, K-I-D-S, dot O-R-G. So it's www.apraxia-kids.org, or you can call the number there in Pittsburgh, 412-785-7072. So again, that's 412-785-7072 or www.apraxia-kids.org. Apraxia is a uh, motor speech disorder, for those who are not familiar, uh, where a child will have great difficulty planning or producing precise and specific, excuse me, series of movements of the tongue, lips, jaw, and palate to form words. It's a motor speech disorder. It's a very rare, somewhat rare disorder, so they could really use your help. It's a Childhood Apraxia Speech Association of North America, 412-785-7072. And with that, we're back here on Undivided, episode number 29 at 733. Here on the East Coast, I'm going to open the phone lines as we go to the Bridging the Divide segment, which is the next segment of our show, 646-716. 9397 is the number to call again 646-716-9397 audible.com is our sponsor undivided show that's undivided s-h-o-w at gmail.com is our email address if you'd rather email a question or you could call in 646-716-9397 is the number all right michelle so bridging the divide here is our next segment how do we bridge the divide between those who feel that words do not have meaning or power or believe that the power of a word is something given to it by the user, which I touched on in the introduction, mm-hmm. and people who believe that words are very powerful and can have both positive and negative impacts on others? Well, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is to handle things with grace and to give ourselves and others a break because there's generally a confused person in there when there's something painful going on. And I don't mean that to put someone down. I mean, you know, even with me, too, with all of us. Sometimes things happen and we have to take some time to sort things out. Um, Be willing to be uncomfortable and be vulnerable and share about how words affect us. Uh, Teach children 
social skills and friend files. It's always helpful to teach them, um, okay, here are some things about this person. So if you want to start a conversation with them, here are some things that you know that you can use to help engage in conversation, to help find some common ground. Um, proximity and finding connections to, to people. Uh, role play. Rich literature. That's one of my big things that I feel like we're missing out so much on lately um, in some schools, maybe not in all. Just the use of rich literature that teaches empathy and problem solving. Um, rich literature can connect us to nuance and all sorts of, if you really get delve deeply into good literature, into all sorts of social nuance and all sorts of communication skills and all sorts of perspective taking, which, which is something I'm finding um, more and more kids are, are lacking perspective taking issues. Um, more playtime, together time, uh, time to deconstruct when problems do arise, uh, just to really kind of sit down and, and take the time Sometimes it trumps academics, I think, which is sit down um, and figure things out. You know, a neurologist once told me that you can memorize anything you want academically, but if you don't have the social skills to manage relationships at work and at home, doesn't, it doesn't matter much. I mean, it's going to affect you negatively. So it's, it's a big issue close to my heart. Um, finding common goals. Uh, research has shown that when people have lives of meaning and purpose and common goals, uh, violence goes down. Um, another thing is um, I talk, I don't know if I touched on this or not, but we talk to the kids a lot about um, code switching. And here's a, a simple example. Um, I had two students who were like brothers. They were best friends, and they would fight like brothers too. Well, what they realized was that one child came from a family of three boys that would roughhouse and tumble around at home and play, which is fine. Uh, but the other child came from a family that he just had a sister. He wasn't used to that kind of play, and that would really upset him. So we talked about, okay, when you're with your brothers and this is what you can do at home, that's great. When you're at this house, understand that that's not an expectation that they have. So, you know, that might be time for you to recognize that it's, he, he doesn't appreciate that kind of play. Um, so code switching is, is something that we talk about, too. That's important. Um, but I, I think... You know, really, we just need to teach debate, <laughs> um, go back to really um, separating problems from people, meaning that, um, like my example earlier, I had an employee who was struggling with being late. Being late was a problem. doesn't mean I'm going to say mm-hmm. you're lazy or you're, you're, you know, you're a horrible person because you're late. Or um, you see what I'm saying? Like just separate out the problems from people. Let's get some good conflict resolution skills going where um, you can address common goals and um, share perspectives and, and work on all of these skills, which is kind of what I hope to be out doing in the world. That's very true. If we work on some of these skills and, you know, understand the power of the words that we speak, you know, we can have a, we can choose to go certain directions at points too. Mm-hmm. You know, the the think before you speak kind of thing comes to mind mm-hmm. for me, and and before you act. So it's like, okay, I'm going to check myself before I say this, because this could either get misunderstood or this these words could really hurt the other person. Mm-hmm. You know, how can yeah. how can I say it in a way that's a little more constructive? So it's almost like taking that step back, right, and kind of wheeling ourselves in. 
saying, absolutely. oh, how can I do this all Yeah, absolutely, and working on the emotional regulation. Our, our speech and language therapist where I worked um, had something that looked like a, a thermometer. And when a problem would arise, she would have the kids look at the thermometer. Okay, uh, on a scale of one to five, how big is this problem? One, your pencil tip broke. Five, a big tsunami just <laughs> hit the building and, you know, and we're running for our lives. How big of a problem is that? And then look at your reaction. All right, now on a scale of one to five, if your problem was a two, was your reaction close to a two or was your reaction a five? You know, just to get people to kind of um, metacognition, you know, thinking about think what they're thinking about. Yeah. That's a very good exercise. That 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 could be very effective, I think, even for adults too, because I I see adults overreact to things all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we as a society look at our communication methods in a different perspective to change the narrative around societal division, which I'm very concerned about, and take mm-hmm. that division and and translate it into one of harmony? What are your thoughts on that? Um, it's not. I, I think that you have to go at it from several different angles. It's not just one thing. Part of it, I really believe strongly, is lots of good quality literature that portrays character development and perspective taking can help and really digging into that in school, um, teaching debate skills so that people know how to formally debate something without devolving into name-calling and insulting. Um, I'm big on less anonymity. I think that's you know, been an issue that people can get just get away with doing certain things because there's there's no one to hold them accountable because no one can figure out who they are. Like that's a that's a big issue. Um, kids need more time to play and interact and just to be kids. And I think the other part might just be um, learning to just you know stop and take a breath, as you said, because breathing can redirect your mind if you just stop and. Okay, deep breath, or count to ten, or whatever it is that you do. And I think, you know, in this age of of digital relationships, um, I think really, I read a study, and I think it was out of Harvard. I think it was from Tal Ben Shahar, and basically, well, he didn't run the study, but he was quoting it. And basically, they were studying people who came from risky backgrounds and trying to figure out why they weren't making it. Why were these people failing? And they didn't really achieve any outcomes from that study. They took it another approach and said, what is it about the people who are succeeding despite all of these things? And what they found was that relationships are key. Even if you just have one relationship, one person who can believe in you and and just cheer you on, that can change everything. Um, So you need, you know. Yes, that's absolutely true. Yeah, absolutely key. That's, That's absolutely true. Um, I think we need more social time. We need more time away from the screens. We need more time. um, I'm someone who believes personally in less homework, so there's more time with interaction with family, more time to just uh, creativity kind of evolves in times of downtime when it's quiet and and you've got time to just think. We We need more of that kind of thing, too. So. Yes, as I mentioned on the show before, you know, the Harvard study, the other study where it talks about the brain needs quiet to think, to actually process information, uh, it needs quiet. And we've talked about that in this program before in the self-care episode that my, my sister came on and did with me um, in the, the Love Love Yourself episode with Amy Phillips. 
Uh, we've yeah. talked about the importance of that, the meditation aspect, the prayer aspect. Mm-hmm. And, and it can start with that, too. It could start with you know having a, a mutual respect for someone, thinking of it in, in the, uh, the great commandment, you know, love one another as I have loved you, love your neighbor as yourself. If I love this other person, if I see him or her as my sister or brother, I'm going to certainly treat them a certain way. I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to validate them. That's going to create that connection. You know, I've worked with people that, you know, they've been unproductive in some ways. And once you start believing in them, it it changes around. It's amazing that once you say to somebody, hey, look, I've got your backs, so to speak. I believe that you can do this. I believe that you can do this because of this skill or this ability that I see that you have that they may not see that they have. And it's amazing to see that result once they know I talk to them and then they know that somebody believes in them and somebody, just as you were saying, you know, understands them and, and, and has picked out and taken the time to actually recognize, you know, their work. It becomes like a whole new world in a very uh, powerful way. And I think that's how we could start this. We could break down those divisions and be more harmonious because of that, you know. Uh, how can we listen to children young adults in a more supportive way while also delivering mechanisms of accountability. Yes, that is key. I don't want this to sound like, you know, they can just do whatever and get away with it and you're just going to talk to them and it's fine <laughs> because there are definitely times, mm-hmm. you know, kids need boundaries. They need firm boundaries. They need structure. So very clear expectations, calm voice. And by calm, I mean, you know, you can say to your teenager or whoever, you know, I've, I've had enough of my dining room table getting cluttered. So from here on in, every time that you leave, you know, stuff all over my entryway or my dining room, I'm just going to take a dollar out of your allowance and just, like, let it go. And then just, just they may rant and rave the first day or so, but then they stop because you don't react. You just, you know, you, you set out the, whatever the consequence may be, and you just follow through. I've done things like say to kids, oh, I'm so sorry you made that choice, gosh, or, you know, you know that this is what happens. We have, um, at where I was working, we had um, a homework club in the morning for kids who were not getting their homework done. And, of course, we always try to dig under the surface and find out what was at the root of it. Um, but, you know, if they didn't have their homework done, they'd stay in for the first recess, like 15 minutes, and they would they would do their work. And, you know, we would just say very calmly, well, you know, I'm sorry that happened. I'm sorry that you, you know, chose not to do it last night, and this is the consequence, and, you know, here we are, and just send them on in. You can do it, um, and, and obviously, you know, it, it, all of this has to be put into, into perspective. <laughs> if I've got a kid running out in the street, I'm going to scream, <laughs> you know, I'm going to yell. So mm-hmm. um, it's all a continuum. It's all about the art of balancing um the positive and negative, making sure that the majority of your interactions are positive. Uh, when you're trying to extinguish a behavior, it's imp- they have to be. You have to do make it. Unco- you do have to make it uncomfortable enough for the behavior to extinguish and let them be uncomfortable in that. But at the same time, you can re- you can verbally reward them or praise them about other stuff. Till you know all kinds of. Anytime you find something positive, you can comment on it. So it's all about balancing it out and about, you know, just holding strong with your boundaries, um, following through. So, and, and different kids require different strategies. It's not a one-size-fits-all. 
and with adults, you know, you can you can do the same thing. Um, I've done things from um, getting curious to finding out what's going on. Sometimes I would, you know, just look at someone and say, that was inappropriate, and just turn my head and just go on with the conversation. You don't have to. Sometimes you can walk away. You don't have to get involved in every <laughs> argument you're invited to. Um, but, you know, when that happens, I often I just stay very calm and get curious about it and try not to take it personally because it's usually about something that they've inferred or something that they've jumped to. Um, and um, often it works with kids and adults to redirect their energies. You know, if you have that adult that um, just needs to be needed and they're getting on your nerves because they're in the middle of everything, just find some tasks for them to do. Um, redirecting, just like you do with a with a small child, it works with middle schoolers, it works with high schoolers, and it works with adults. If you just kind of find a way to focus those energies, but like you said, out of out of a place of of love and understanding that these are people that you're dealing with, and we all have our our strengths and our things that we're struggling with, and it's much it's much better if you can distinguish. Um, that's fear versus I'm fearful, or, you know, a fearful person, or um, just you know not making a problem, a behavior, a character flaw. You know, just focus on what the issue is and how to resolve that in a way that's not going to to crush somebody. I think. And, you know what you said is just. That, that's so a very important. good answer. Yeah. That's a very it's good so answer. Important. Very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very very important for both children and adults alike, mm-hmm. when they feel that, then that becomes a whole other uh, almost support system. Because in some ways, too, at points, they may be trying to bait you almost into getting involved and mm-hmm. in getting involved in something that can be like an argument or a negative thing or some kind of confrontational thing. And and when you had mentioned before, I thought it was interesting, you know, uh, taking a uh, deep breath, counting to 10, uh, my grandfather, I've spoken about on this show before, uh, uh, who passed away a year ago uh, this past April, he would tell me that all the time. He'd say, Frank, you know, uh, take a step back, take a deep breath, count to 10 before responding, especially people you're really close to because you tend to have those defenses up and you want to start throwing jabs, you want to start throwing punches, so to speak, verbally, mm-hmm. and, and immediately going to guns, as my wife would say, you know, yeah, yeah, the guns are up with the people around you, like in your family, et cetera. Taking that step back, counting to 10, taking a deep breath, and then responding is usually a, a better way to go about it and not inciting some other thing that could go on. Um, we've talked a lot tonight about, at different points, about coaching. Uh, as this is Life Coach Radio Network and the people that listen to this show regularly, which I'm blessed to have people that do, Um, understand that I always try and circle back to the role of coaching. If my guest is not a coach, I usually cover, you know, that segment of the show. Uh, But we like to talk about the role of coaching on Undivided and uh, how it's used in a particular circumstance, in this case, you know, with with words and speech and and communication. So what is the role of coaching in the use of words and speech and being better in our social interactions? Nothing else like it. It's just magic it's just magic because you can focus on your own responses i'm not responsible for changing somebody else and um the when when people do change it's because they want to and maybe they want to emulate what you have you know it has to be done in, in a 
in a place of authenticity and safety, but that's not your job, quote-unquote. So you can focus on managing yourself and your own responses. Um, talk about people, clarify, like, what outcome are you looking for? And they can problem-solve. When I coached people at work, um, you do it in, in the context of the problem. It increases productivity. It increases job satisfaction. It increases teamwork. Reflection helps tremendously. Um, and people can change in an environment where they feel safe and don't feel judged if they get to the point where they see that it's, that they, that it's worth changing or that they, maybe they want to change something. Um, and when all emotions are, are validated as okay, um, it can help you find your core values and underlying behaviors and beliefs. I use breakthrough laser coaching with kids quite a bit uh, because often hurting people hurt others, you know, and you want to – I did every Wednesday. It was um, wonderful. Every Wednesday I did a social-emotional <clears throat> development with the kids at school, and they loved it, and we would problem-solve. What we do is come up with little social scenarios and something very simple like, you know, your your ice cream – I'll just fill on the floor <laughs> or, you know, nothing that was really going to uh, – from that up to different, like, social interactions of, you know, someone wants to play with someone and someone else is saying no. But we would go through the different levels of energy. You know, how would you respond as a victim? How would – what would what would response look like? And I, I, would, I would temper the words depending on the age of the kids, but um, – we would role-play different responses, responsing from the responses from the victimhood level, from um, trying to control what would response of forgiveness look like, what would response of concern look like, what would response of, you know, not judging someone look like. And the, the, it was so effective, and the kids loved it. And then they would take that back to the classroom and say, oh, well, we talked about something like that last Wednesday, and, and you know, how, how, what kind of response do you want to have? And it, it's just it's so powerful for the kids and for the adults. So I can't, I can't stress that enough, how beautiful it was. Because in the presence of curiosity, patterns can dissolve, and awareness can reveal where we're stuck. That's an awesome example of, you know, utilizing and connecting you know, energy levels, which, you know, we studied as, as coaches with as part of the ELI part of, of, of what we got certified doing. And, you know, understanding where people are coming from. You know, we talk a lot of, on this show about the lens in which we view the world and the perspective in which we view the world. Each one of us has a unique lens that was developed, and we think about it, it's true. Uh, we talked about it in the retirement show with, uh, Miles Smith a month ago uh, when he was on and it, through the work of, you know, your parents. So that really develops your lens in which you view work or job or vocation or retirement is how your parents went through it or how your grandparents, whoever was that, that role model, that mentor in your life, well, it's similar to speech. You know, oftentimes your parents teach you how to speak. You know, they help you with your, your first teacher. And, you know, you could pick up different social cues, social interaction from your parents. And, you know, that's where the role of coach can really help if somebody is kind of veering down a path where their words have been, you know, destructive to people, whether it's intended or unintended. Mm -hmm. uh, you can help them with that. You can help them say, hey, the way that you're communicating is, you know, the issue here. And, mm -hmm. uh how are we going to, to help you get to a place where you can communicate more effectively, where you can communicate what you're feeling more effectively without using words that, you know, hurt someone else. 
And that's a powerful conversation that you can have with a client, uh, a powerful interaction there as, as well. Uh, we have a couple email questions before we go to our last segment. Um, oh. So here, interesting, right? We always uh, maybe, well, we not always get one, but we usually get a couple. Um, this uh, person is asked about, I guess, probably seeing that in, in the bio that we posted. Uh, what is the role of socioeconomics with uh, speech and, and delivering and communicating a message, you know, based on, you know, an education, maybe socioeconomically? Do you think that plays a role in how people are able to communicate or not? I would have to say that you have to respect it, – it's a matter of respecting other people's method of communication. And I guess what I'm going to say is um, socioeconomically, you have to be – if you're in a teaching environment, you have to be aware that if you're reading a book about the beach, some of your kids might not have been to the beach, and you might have to do a lot of background work to develop some of those things. You want to, um, when you're communicating with people in general, I think that you, it's important to recognize that just because another culture is different does not make it less than. Um, there are cultures that have different methods of speaking and are just as valuable and have their own intrinsic rules. And just because I don't understand them doesn't mean that they're less than. I don't even know if I'm answering that question. <laughs> I, I think that... Um, I think you are. I think that you know it, it's 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 more than one answer, I guess, because you want to be uh, cognizant of people who may not have been exposed to certain things and and might need more background work. Um, so you want to be careful of how you interact with someone and making assumptions about what they might know and might not know. Um, and I guess what comes to me a lot is that standardized testing can be so unfair to people from other cultures and and so unfair. You know, I, I got one test, um, I couldn't even use it, from a, a well-known university that was supposed to be some little intelligence test. Well, it was asking these kids to identify a violin in, like, the Arc de Triomphe. Now, how many kids are able to do that? You've got to be culturally aware. And cultural, just because someone else may not have a certain subset of information doesn't mean that they're not capable or can't communicate or not learn. It's just it's a matter of, like, learning and taking perspective um, and, you know, figuring out, meeting people where they are, I guess, is what I want to say. Because I think that all people are capable if you help them with the, if you put the, the right supports in place and give them what they need. Um, because I have dealt sure. with people it's from all event. different socioeconomic. Yeah, I have dealt with people from, I will say that from the very poor to the very rich, they have the same problems. <laughs> they have, when it comes down to it, when it comes to relational and family problems, they may not have the same monetary problems, but they have some of the same problems. Um, and I've seen, you know, uh, people from extremely wealthy families where I have felt like the, the kids hardly, their kids are being raised by a nanny, you know, or, you know, because mom's flown to this place and she's off at Martha's Vineyard at the wine tasting and then she's off someplace else. And um, it's, you know, people are people. Wow. I found that too, you know, what you had mentioned, you know, breaking down those barriers and looking at it from, you know, socioeconomically, you know, people that I know that have been one extreme or the other, they all have the same issues. There's all the same, you know, core 
uh, struggles, the same core issues like within the familiar familial type of setting or whatever the relationship may be. So I, I would agree with you there for sure. Um, the other question that we have here, so that was a, a very interesting response. And it kind of also touches on, you know, standardized testing. When they went back to like the SAT, the PSAT, the ACT test, they're saying, how can we write these questions to meet every student where they are and more of an average level because they're writing the questions and some students had no idea like what the reference was because maybe they hadn't traveled or they hadn't experienced certain things. And so that became a part of, of how they were weighting these tests because it could, you know, unfairly, you know, skew that number, um, which then becomes a whole other societal perception thing that we could get into uh, oh, for yeah. another time. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> the, uh, other question here is about the role of spirituality. So apparently this person who emailed in, and I thank you for the listeners that do uh, try to participate, um, it appears doesn't have a spiritual connection and is asking, you know, about the role of, of, of spiritual connection and can that help impact uh, using words and communicating? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um did you say the person who, who emailed in doesn't have a have, have a spiritual connection? It appears that they don't. Now, from from how I'm reading this, because there was some a quote and then the question. Um, I think it can take. I think your spirituality and your your purpose in life and, and all of that can play a huge role in how you communicate and, and and your connection with yourself and your connection with your higher power. And your connection with others, you know, part of your, um, the way you treat other people is is really kind of based in how you're treating yourself. Um, I think spirituality can kind of go beyond religion, I guess I'm talking about, you know, uh, I'd have to get a little more information about that. But I think that um, it can help you kind of your spirituality can help you ground your framework and your core values for how you communicate. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It does. Well, and it it makes perfect sense. And without a spiritual connection, you know, as we were taught and told through coaching, it's the most powerful thing we'll do with a client Mm -hmm. um, is make some kind of spiritual connection for them is without it. If, if you remember, we were talking about about it on the retirement show. You were talking about some of the people that I've helped with career transition work, and I'll ask them, "Well, what's your purpose in life?" I have no idea. Well, what's your what's your connection and you know something spiritual? I don't have one. Well, okay, now we know where to start. You know, yeah. and I've often found that when I connect them to something spiritual, they have you know some kind of understanding of that. Then the life purpose follows. It says, "Okay, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z." because they're more connected and they're more connected to self and they're more connected to that. There's something greater than them and that they're part of a bigger thing. You know, we're not the spokes we're the wheel, you know, we're all connected and they'll feel that sense of connectivity. Okay. How am I going to take these, these uh, God given uh, abilities and skills and, and give them to, to society to, to make a positive impact. And that becomes a very powerful conversation. I think it absolutely does. I think a, a big part of that is, as you said, is pausing long enough to, you know, in this busy society to get still and think about 
your core values and where they're coming from and what your connection is to your higher power, what your beliefs are about that, and, um, you know, what you, how you see your role in this world. Oh, that's definitely helpful. Yes, somebody, I was in a meeting yesterday and somebody asked me, well, how, how do I do some of what I do with, with matching people up to different careers or different occupations? And I'll say that I look at, I talk to them about what skills they may have. I ask them questions about their values. And when we do the values assessment, we talk about a few of those values. And I say, okay, what, what company can we connect you to that has a similar value system? So the company or the job or the vocation aligns with their values, they're going to be happier in it. And that's mm-hmm. what I try and do. So I lay that out. And I ask them, hey, what do you think about, you know, becoming a police officer? Or what do you think about, have you ever thought about that? Uh, have you ever thought about doing something in the service uh, world? Oh, yeah, you know, I've, uh, my aunt was a nurse, let's say. You know, I've always kind of thought about it. Well, what are the steps that we have to get there? What what would align with your values? Maybe it's not you want you don't want to go to nursing school. Well, maybe we can find something else you could do at a hospital. You know, that you could still contribute to someone's well-being. Uh, maybe it's being a home health aide. Whatever it is, we try and, and match them up and get them at least started on that process. So we're just a little bit past the top of the hour. Uh, here on the East Coast, it's 8.04. We usually hit the mark around 8 o'clock, but we did have two email questions that I always like to get to, uh, certainly, before because these folks have taken the time to not only listen, but to also try and uh, contribute to the conversation, the dialogue. So now we're at the point of the Common Ground segment, which is the last segment of our show. How do we find common ground between those that feel that talking and listening are a quote-unquote one-way street or that they are quote-unquote always right, which we all know people like that, and those that feel that they are quote-unquote never heard, which we always, we do know of uh, those type of people, um, never heard or quote-unquote always wrong in order to come to a place of acceptance. Get curious. Get curious about why, you know, where they're coming from. Find out from their perspective if you can. I mean, you can do a lot just from observing people. You don't have to, you know, go up to them and say, why do you guys think you have to be right? (laughs) I wouldn't advise that. But get curious about what you see because I, you know, we all know people like that. I know people like that. And the last person I dealt with who always thought this person was correct needed to be needed. And once I sort of figured that out, we could figure out ways to kind of channel that, um, you know, power her, <laughs> channel her power for good. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, we have to meet people where they are, understand their emotions are valid, um, look underneath, separate the person from the problem. If it's something that needs to be confronted, you know, there are ways that you can um, speak to that. And I believe it's a little bit different at work than it is at home. Um, something like when you X, that's a problem for me because Y would be at work or at home. I feel blank when you blank, um, you know, getting a, a nice, a good conversation going about that. Um, I think just proximity, connections, uh, interactions, promoting time for everyone, finding common purpose and goals, um, and helping people connect words to their feelings and emotions. 
You know, friendship doubles the joy and cuts grief in half. So um, it's always good to promote those kinds of conversations that can build that. Because, And I know I have a, one friend of mine who, oh, my gosh, when we first started working together, I, I had a really tough time with this person. She's one of my best friends now because we took the time to have a really authentic conversation about what was going on. And it, in this case, it turned out that she had wanted the job that I got <laughs> and had interviewed like the day after I had been hired and didn't get the job that I had. But once we worked our way around that, we're great friends. We connect, we get together. Uh, it worked out beautifully. And, and some there's teachers, people are your teachers. You can learn so much from other people. Um, so I think, you know, humility, open heart, and open mind. Awesome. Excellent. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on and, and providing your expertise in this area, providing your expertise on words and speech, the power of communication, the power of words. I uh, really appreciate it. We are really, really blessed to have you on the program. The audience is going to love this. and. Uh, uh, you were so well prepared. I really appreciate the time that you took in preparation. Uh, so thank you very much for being on. I, I really appreciate you coming up. Oh, thank you. I was happy to happy to be on there. And if I didn't answer a question, you know, please shoot me an email and I can I can get back to them. I I, I hate to leave someone with a you know half answered question if I didn't you know interpret it right. Absolutely, or email uh, the uh, the show, and I'll forward it to Michelle. But Michelle, that's a good segue. How do we contact you? Talk to us a little bit about your practice. Talk to us a little about your work. Talk to us a little about maybe something you have coming up here. I um, really, my heart is with kids and parents who are struggling. You know, if kids who maybe struggled in school for academically or socially, you can tell from my background. That's what my life has has revolved around um, as a parent and as an educator, and um, I work with families who, you know, the children have ADHD or maybe an autism disorder and work with kind of um, just to bring more peace to to the family and help them find the strategies that they need that will work for them, whether it's at home or at school, and just to kind of, you know, help them along the process because it can be a lonely road. People can be very, feel very isolated when you're struggling like that. Um, So I can support them. Um, I can do life coaching obviously as well. (laughs) But my passion is obviously communication and I am looking forward to starting bringing some programs for social emotional development and, you know, kind of a coaching perspective to help change the school culture. That's where I'm headed now. Um, my website is michellemaddencoaching.org, but people can reach me at maddenmichelle2 at gmail.com. And it's two Ds, Madden and then two Ls, Michelle, two at gmail.com. And I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone. Um, these are topics that are close to my heart. I just really feel like acceptance, um, accepting diversity, I, I have a I, – really would like to get into some work about um, discrimination. Um, I really want to work on some of those things. I really kind of like to see people find ways to accept one another, meet them where they are, and flourish. That's wonderful. Wonderful <laughs> stuff. Thanks oh, so thank you. So happy to be on here. Oh, it's been, been wonderful having you on. Um, 
and being able to, to share this message for, with people and giving them some real concrete things, which I think the audience will take from this, some real concrete and practical ways uh, to which we communicate with the goal of, of living better in harmony with one another and, mm-hmm. and being there for each other as we, we talked about so much tonight. So, so thank you again, you know, for, for giving us that perspective and for contributing to this dialogue uh, here on Undivided. I, I really appreciate it. So happy to be here. It was an honor. It's my pleasure. Uh, thank you. So we're going to do a couple of show promotions. I'd ask you if you please stay with me, um, audience, because we're going to. I'm going to conclude the show shortly. I have a nice little uh, wrap up for it, but we have to do a couple of promotions because I'm late on those. Uh, Brenda Baird show. Brenda Baird Thursday, September 13th, 7 p.m. Central Time. As you remember, Brenda was a guest on this program. We talked about barriers to women and people of different ethnicities and diverse backgrounds to the C-suite, to the uh, uh, C-level executive suite. That was a really interesting show. Brenda Baird, that's Brenda Baird, Thursday, the 13th of September, 7 p.m. Central, here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And Kimberly Frazier's show, Enjoying Life on Purpose, or series, Kimberly Frazier, Enjoying Life on Purpose, Thursday, the 13th of September, 7 p.m. Eastern on Life Coach Chat Channel. So you can tune in for Brenda Baird's show. Uh, that's uh, 7 p.m. Central time. Uh, then you can tune in also to uh, Kimberly Fraser's show, which is 7 p.m. Uh, on the East Coast, uh, both on Thursday the 13th. Uh, Kim's show is on Life Coach Chat Channel. She's had some very interesting guests on, if you follow the series, uh, especially recently, people that have really overcome uh, some really tremendous struggles in their family, their own life, uh, maybe with a job and like everything kind of hitting you at, at once. It's a very powerful show to really show how you can uh, move through that and enjoy life um, and really create a purpose for your life. So it's Kimberly Frazier's show, Enjoying Life on Purpose, Thursday, September 13th, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel. Food for the Poor, that's www.foodforthepoor.org, 800-427-9104. You know, we started doing these reads after Hurricane Harvey. I can't believe that's a year ago. People still need help. Food for the Poor. Uh, Samaritan's Purse is another organization that can help those in need, as they did after Harvey. That's www.samaritanspurse.com. Dot org and MAP International, that's M-A-P, MAP International, 800-225-8550, www.map, that's M-A-P as in Peter.org, uh, to give to that organization that does such incredible work throughout the developing world. And one last time, the Childhood Apraxia of Speech Association of North America, because everyone deserves a voice, www.apraxia Dash kids. That's A P R A X is an X ray, I A is an apple dash kids, K I D S dot O R G, or call them at 412 785 7072. They're a four star charity on Charity Navigator. I only promote charities that are very transparent and are very good with um, uh, making sure your donation goes to the right place. So I wanted to put that out there as well. They do get rated four stars on Charity Navigator, which is an awesome organization that regulates and reviews charitable and nonprofit organizations. Uh, 
So I'm going to wrap up then before I'm going to hit my, my next program uh, when that's coming up. With using your words, um, can have a very positive impact. It can also potentially hurt someone. And out of everything we talked about tonight, you know, stay curious, think before you speak, take a deep breath, use your words with a positive impact, listen with love, actively listen, meet people where they are. If you listen to them, if you actively listen, if you ask questions and are curious and are thoughtful, if people feel validated because you've listened to them, if people feel a call to action, to positive action by your words, by the way that you carry yourself, if you lead with love, at the end of the day, that's how you will live, truly undivided. My next show is Wednesday, September the 19th. That's episode 30. Special guest is Suzanne Riley. We're live. It's a live show, 7 p.m., The Fitness Divide. That's, again, not going to be about what you think it might be about. It's going to be about all these different fitness programs and how do you differentiate what works for you. We're going to also touch a little bit on how the divide society around what fitness actually is and, you know, people that might be down on, on personal fitness. Uh, but most of it's going to be about all these, all these messaging around fitness, what to believe, what not to believe, uh, what can work for you, and how do we figure that out? Suzanne's a fitness coach. That's going to be a really interesting show. Wednesday, September 19th, it's two weeks from tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. So I want to take a, a moment again to thank Michelle for coming on. Uh, thank you to Michelle Madden. Uh, please contact Michelle if you need some coaching, you need some com- counsel uh, for your child, for your family. And uh, thank you to the audience. Thank you to those who emailed in questions. Thank you to all those who listen near and far from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. This has been episode number 29 of Undivided, The Power of Words with Michelle Madden. I'm your host, Frank J. Maduri. For Russ Terry, for Trina Ramsey, for Danica Treble, and for everyone at the Life Coach Radio Network who helps me to be blessed to do what I do. Until I see you guys again on the 19th, as always, be blessed and be well.